Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, it's Andy Bueller, high school sports reporter and host of the Scorebook Live Today podcast. So the coronavirus has shut down schools and halted high school sports, but we're taking things up a notch in hopes to help during this time of great uncertainty. Each day, we're releasing a special episode of this podcast called Dickow's Quarantine Series, where our own Dan Dickow interviews an expert in their respective field, from coaches to trainers, authors to uh, former standout athletes. Subscribe to this podcast for free, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep everyone safe by washing your hands and following the governor's stay-at-home mandate. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Here's Dan Dickow after a word from our sponsor. Are you a small business impacted by the coronavirus? Washington Federal is here to help. Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live, and it's offering a five-year business line of credit with 90 days interest for free to businesses that have seen a 10% or greater drop. Apply now to receive up to $200,000 on business lines of credit. The folks at Washington Federal understand small businesses may need an emergency loan. They're doing their best to help during this global pandemic. If you're a small business owner who needs help, head to wafdbank.com to apply. Questions? Email business.lifeline at wafd.com. Dan Dickow, Scorebook Live, Washington Today podcast uh, with a unique guest today, someone who uh, is from the Seattle area, uh, currently lives in Colorado pursuing his goals and dreams, which is, uh, which is something we hope that all student athletes that listen to the podcast are, are doing themselves during these uncertain times. Won a basketball state championship at Rainier Beach, uh, went on to play college basketball at the University of Denver before getting into a new career path where he's had tremendous success, and we'll touch on that in a minute, but uh, glad to welcome Phil Heath to the podcast today. Phil, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, Hopefully all is well in your world these days. No, thanks for having me, Dan. Um, It's, uh, I'm just like everybody else right now at home, (laughs) you know, making it, making the best out of it. Mentioned you won a state title uh, at Rainier Beach in 1998, um, and there's been tremendous amount of athletes that have come out of the state of Washington and, and Seattle area in particular. Uh, but Rainier Beach has had some tremendous basketball players. Um, did you play for Coach Mike Bethea? And if so, um, what was the impact that he had on you uh, as a young athlete? Yeah, I, I played for all four years with Coach Mike. Um, Back then, that was when uh, you could actually yell at your players, <laughs> get in, get into them a little bit, and uh, Coach Mike definitely did that. Um, I, I definitely looked at him as a father figure. Um, he 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 loved us hard and he disciplined us hard, but it enabled us to play hard and have that killer instinct, um, which actually was more applicable after I left uh, Seattle to go play at the University of Denver. Now, mind you, my college career was nowhere successful as it was in high school. But what I was able to take away from that experience at Rainier Beach with Coach Mike was, you know, the willingness to learn, the willingness to outwork your opponent, 
and, um, you know, obviously work when no one else is watching you and, uh, you know, work harder. And I was able to apply that in competitive bodybuilding and uh, the rest is pretty much history. But yeah, Coach Mike, I mean, I can't say, I can't sing his praises enough. I've heard that from, from a number of guys that have been around that program. Um, we had recorded an interview with Jamal Crawford yesterday. I've known David King for years, who's on the coaching staff with Mike currently. Um, and so it's great to hear, hear stories of how former players continue to, you know, be appreciative of what their high school experience was because of the coaches that they had. Now you mentioned you went to university of Denver. Um, the college career, the experience maybe wasn't as statistically impressive as maybe you, someone like yourself would have hoped going in. But when I look at what you got into after college basketball, um, the world of bodybuilding, you've since become, I believe it's a seven time world champion, Mr. Olympia uh, in the sport of bodybuilding. How did the focus and the attention to detail through your basketball career lead you into bodybuilding? Um, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. I mean, you know, I would say after the, after my sophomore, junior year, I kind of knew where I stood as far as like, you know, playing in um, college and what could happen thereafter. Uh, but it was around that same time I was doing like, um, you know, typical basketball camps for kids during the summer. And as I was doing that, I was actually working for um, a gentleman uh, who was doing the, the radio for us, uh, Walter Davis. Remember Walter Davis? Oh, yeah. Great yeah. shooter, for sure. Oh, yeah. So um, I was doing camps for him. And I was doing it at uh, the athletic club that he was uh, that he belonged to. It's kind of like the pro club that out in Bellevue, um, yeah. out here in Denver. So there is a, a few bodybuilders and a few uh, coaches that um, train athletes for bodybuilding that were there. And every summer they say, why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I like playing hoops, man. They're like, but after you're done, like, why don't you do, just do this? You have the build for it. And, you know, I was like, man, I'm not going to, you know, turn down the Jordan uh, sneakers and long shorts for a pair of posing trunks, man. I'm just, it's not what I, <laughs> I come to, I come from the hood, man. I'm like, ah, I don't know what my, my friends are going to say this and that, you know, but um, before you know it, I, I started going to a couple competitions. I had some friends that were currently competing and uh, I was just mesmerized by the transformation. And I, and I thought to myself, you know what? I've always been genetically gifted. I've always worked hard. Um, this might be a new outlet for me because obviously basketball, although it has been great to me, is just something that I could not um, succeed at at a higher level than college. So I wanted a new, you know, just a new path. And, you know, I started getting into the weightlifting during my fifth year of college. And I'll tell you, I mean, it was very difficult because as a basketball guy, all you got to do is kind of just show up, you know, but with bodybuilding, you don't just have to show up. Like you have to eat right. You have to get enough sleep, like all these other intangibles that we're now actually seeing applicable in major sports, you know, their nutrition and, you know, their, their, their recovery. But I was having to learn that like right away back in uh, 2002, 2003. So I got into my first competition. I want to say it was April 4th, 2003. Really didn't know much, but I won the whole show. And I, and I just got this bug. I was like, wow, like I went from, you know, sitting, sitting the bench in college and not getting the praise and the accolades that I wanted, even though I was working hard, but with bodybuilding, I was being rewarded for my hard work. 
it's like, wait a minute. Like, I don't have a coach that could, you know, sit me on the sideline, even though I feel like I should be playing. This is all about me and me alone. I can have training partners, but if they, you know, it is like if you ask for a spot, if they spot you too much, then they're doing the work. So for me, it was like right up my alley because I've always been a self-starter and um, bodybuilding was just, I, I just, I'm very appreciative of the fact that basketball didn't turn out the way I had wanted it to. Well, a couple of things that you mentioned right there, um, you know, eat right, sleep right, being a self-starter. Uh, when I look at, at, at someone who has had success in, in your career field of being a bodybuilder, I immediately think of a meticulous detail and preparation. Um, for any high school students that are out there listening uh, to this interview, is there, is that something that you had to work on over time or did a meticulous detail and preparation uh, to be great at eating right, to sleeping right? Did that just happen or did you have to kind of plan that out? Um, I, I think, it, gosh, I've always, I grew up as an only child. So, I mean, if I really wanted to do something, I had to do it myself because both my parents worked. So, the, I mean, they instilled a lot of hard work ethic. And then just the competitiveness of growing up. I mean, I grew up a few blocks away from Kevin Burleson and Nate Burleson, you know, like, I, you know who those guys are. I mean, I grew up next to them, always around athletes nonstop. And it was always in that pursuit of perfection. So I knew that, hey, I'm, I'm a shorter guy. I need to run faster. I need to be stronger. I need to be smarter of my process. So when it came to bodybuilding, I think the only obstacle I really had was the diet because I never dieted before. I, I didn't understand that, but that's what books were for. You know, we didn't really, I mean, this is back in the early 2000s, so you didn't have an abundance of information on the internet. So that's when, you know, you start reading books and, you know, the magazines, the Flex Magazine, Muscle and Fitness. And, and then to be honest, I mean, that's when I started pulling out my own notepad and started writing things down as to you know, like a real food diary, what works for my body type as opposed to the next person, what exercises I've noticed that yield the best results for me without um, hurting my joints and ligaments and stuff. So I just started, I just kept really good note, note taking along with pictures. And that was, like I said, back then, 2.1 megapixel camera, you know, <laughs> pathetic camera, you know, but I, I did those pictures as my own um, way of uh, collecting data. And I've always been in that, that mindset of data collection, being in, uh, you know, I graduated with a degree in business, but also in information technology. So I've always been kind of a nerd when it comes to that. So my own analytics was key as to figuring out what exactly works, what doesn't, and what I should try next. Uh, some really good advice and feedback for, for kids to learn what works for you figure that out, figure out what doesn't work and kind of formulate a plan moving forward. When, when you look at somebody who, who doesn't know a ton about the bodybuilding world, but you know, I know the name Mr. Olympia, you've won that seven times. Give us an example of that event, because I would imagine it would be like somebody being at a final four, or if you're a golfer mm -hmm. being at the masters, what is the Mr. Olympia event like? And what was that feeling of satisfaction of winning it, not just once, but seven times. Yeah, the, the Mr. Olympia has been held over 55 years. Um, there's only been 15 people that have won it. 
in almost 60 years time. So that's, that goes to show that, I mean, there's a very select few of climbing that mountain. Um, me winning it seven times, uh, being tied with Schwarzenegger and something is pretty awesome. <laughs> you can imagine. It's, it's dope, you know, to be able to, you know, chat it up with him. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a culmination of just all that time and preparation and just understanding that there was a lot of moments in time where I had to pivot and to know who I was. And it, in, in bodybuilding, you know, you're really tested because you, it is you versus you every single day and you're being adjudicated on the largest stage. So that arena, it's at the Orleans arena. Um, it's moved around the world prior to, uh, I want to say 1999 was when they stopped moving it from city to city, country to country every year. So they, they held it, they've had it in Vegas since. Um, but it's at the Orleans arena. And I tell you, you walk in there and you got 10,000 people in there and they're very, very in tune with what they're looking at. I mean, these are bodybuilding enthusiasts and obviously they brought some of their friends who may not know as much but they're looking at art in the purest form as far as the human physique goes, both men and women. And you're being up, you're being up there for me. I mean, the first time I went up there, I was very, obviously very nervous, but you know, what, you know, you prepare every day. And when I was, I went from third place in 08, fifth place the following year in 09, second in 2010. And then that first Olympia win in 2011, it was, it was very electric. I could definitely tell you that being up on that stage and having the crowd reaction of an applause is different than like hitting a game winning jump shot because usually when you hit the game winner, although everybody's going nuts, it's a team thing. But when people go nuts off of you just hitting a bicep pose, it's like, Oh my God, like they really love this. Cause you know, it's almost like, They'll let you know if they don't like something, put it like that. <laughs> but, uh, but when they called my name as the 2011 Mr. Olympia champion and new 2011 Mr. Olympia champion, for me it went, I was in a time warp. I went all the way back to when I was just a little kid going through every defining moment of my life. Every wine in the road, both good and bad, ugly got me to this point here. So all the times where I was told, no, you're not good enough or this, that working out this way. And I just stayed on that path. That's what broke me down to tears because it was like, it was all worth it at that moment in time. And I always have um, kept that very um, dear to my heart because when new adversity, new, new challenges come about, you have to remind yourself, uh, what you've gone through before and know that good days will come again and they all usually start in the mind and there's those whys in the road that you know we're all going through a lot right now being on quarantine and stuff but you can be imprisoned in your mind worse than we are in quarantine right now so for me winning that olympia i got hit with a dose of adrenaline like i didn't sleep for like two days man Wow. It was bad. Like, yeah. The first night, obviously, you know, you're out partying and stuff at the Vegas nightclubs. And then the next day, you're just like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I, you know, because I was the 13th Mr. Olympia. And I'm like, wow, like, I can't believe this. Like, and then you're like, believe it, dude. Believe it. Like, you really did something that's special. And being a former basketball player at that, that's unheard of. So 
you know, I, it was like that one point in time where I could pat myself on the back. You talked about the, that belief in yourself and you've had a tremendous amount of success. Um, as we wrap up this interview and I really appreciate the time, if there is one nugget that you could leave with in a high school athlete um, to kind of uh, believe in themselves or prepare themselves for success, what would that be? That no one can want success more than you. Not your coach, not your friends, not your girlfriend, not your mom, not your father, not your uncle. Not, you know, no one can want success more than you. And you have to be willing to take those hits along the way. You have to be willing to be misunderstood. You have to be a little, you have to be very courageous. You have to be willing to sacrifice, not just when it's convenient either. I mean, people can say, oh, I'm in the gym. You know, I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym shooting jumpers and stuff. What about now? Are you still able to find a way to maybe sneak into a gym? Because there's someone out there that's doing that right now. Mm-hmm. So no one can care about your success more than you. I think that's the biggest thing, man, because if you want it that bad, man, like you'll do anything. I mean, you're a ball player, man. I knew about you in high school. I'm like, man, man, Diggle, man, he's shit. Like he's doing his thing. But we all, we can all appreciate work ethic. But in order to get to that level of excellence, even if you're already genetically gifted, um, you have to outwork yourself and no one's watching and you have to want it more than anybody else ever will. Some phenomenal words there, uh, and they apply to anything, whether it's uh, your academics, your schoolwork, and, or whatever sport that you choose. Phil, I, I really appreciate you joining the Scorebook Live Washington Today podcast. Um, I appreciate following you on social media. Uh, we look forward to releasing this interview, and, and we'll make sure to tag you uh, so you can continue to stay up to date on uh, high school athletics in the state of Washington. So thanks Absolutely. again for joining. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.